Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is Jonathan Gellner and thank you for listening. Today we have on Rick Strickland, owner of Rick Strickland Baseball, but also a St. Louis Cardinals hitting consultant. Rick has had an illustrious career in America's pastime as he was drafted by the New York Yankees in 1989 and played until 1993 as both an outfielder and an infielder. He then founded the St. Louis Pirates, a nationally recognized college development program in 1996. Strickland has a special and unique talent for blending data-based technology with traditional baseball wisdom to maximize the development of his player swings, which has firmly established him as one of the premier hitting minds in the country. In addition to owning and operating St. Louis, Missouri-based Rick Strickland Baseball, Strickland has served as a hitting consultant for St. Louis Cardinals since 2007. And today, we talk a lot about data and how to use it. And here is Rick Strickland. Rick Strickland, thank you so much for joining us on Ahead of the Curve today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Very honored to be on it, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Of course, of course. Now, we are going to do a little bit of a preview for Slugfest, the event that Tyler Jeske is putting on. Now, do you mind giving us a preview of what your presentation will be on? We talk about things that we do every day, and that is really trying to use technology to figure out and dissect and diagnose swing falls with athletes. So I'm going to share a little bit of what our process is and how we use a variety of different technologies to go from there. Awesome. Now, I know that our listeners are like, man, I would love to hear more about that. But do you mind giving us, you know, one major takeaway or one way that and taking into account that most of our listeners are team coaches. And so can you give us, you know, one one major thing that you could uh, you could throw out there for them? Well, I guess the big thing we use is, you know, you don't really get a bad sense of using some of the multi-sensor suits uh, and uh, the timing map that we use to kind of look at ground pressure kind of dialed everything back to, to um, looking for timing issues in the swing more than anything else. And, you know, from those things, we have a little bit of some mechanical stuff that, that causes the timing disruption, but we've come to the conclusion that the difference between good and bad hitters is definitely their ability to time, not time pitches, but really the timing of when the body, the joints, and uh, the bat, and all that stuff, and how it's moving in sequence to the, the, the strike zone. I love it. And if our listeners are like, I, I've heard about sequencing before, Rick, but do you mind diving into that a little bit? Well, sequencing, when you look at it, you get different joints. You've got your hips and your pelvis and your, and your upper body, your thorax, your chest and your arms and those things like that. But really what you see with really high guys, guys are high level, they're able to control those in space and they, they, they release in sequence. So if you were to say the hips were one, the chest was two, the arms were three, and the bat was four, Really good hitters have a tendency to always release in that sequence, or pretty much uh, will release in that sequence pretty, pretty regularly. From a timing standpoint, when you look at them, they may have different styles. The speeds may be different, but the, time, the, the spots are where they release those, those joints are, when they release those joints are really the same amongst all the hitters. Oh, I got it. Now, uh, say that you know one of our listeners has a son in the St. Louis area, or if one of the one of our listeners is a player in the St. Louis area, and they you know they come to your facility. What is one of the first things that you guys would do, and what would what would your first day look like? Basically, you know, in order, you don't want to go to the doctor for to go to the dentist for two things, and then he's talking about doing you know some type of surgical procedure on you before you look at the teeth. So we've kind of created something that we. Uh, as an assessment, I don't think it's groundbreaking, but we just use the technologies that we have to kind of do a, a general assessment. But we do that over a variety of different swings. We don't do it for one swing, and we do it for several. 
uh, swings just to kind of see what kind of pattern the, the player has. Uh, we also like to get some information about what 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 they would like to change, what you did. Because, you know, these kids come off the street, we don't know who they are and how they play. You know, we want to know what the things that they're trying to improve, where they're most likely to hit the ball. So some fact-finding stuff that you ask, you know, verbally. But you also want to screen them by using video and 3D motion mechanics, bat sensors, and, and uh, uh, launch monitors and things like that. So what are some of the most important things that you look for in hitters? Just look for timing. We look for definitely looking for timing when those joints are firing to see if they're in order. When you're looking at straight video, we're kind of looking at where the bat's position, where we can we'll consider where we'll take a guess. It's on regular video where we think that max, max pressure is happening on the ground. Mm-hmm. Trying to see where the bat is, to see if this hitter is going to be late uh, on time, where the bat needs to be. And, you know, usually you'll find out, especially in amateur hitters, there a lot of times they are late with those things. Like the things that we're taking from golf, you'll find out that as players are late, they end up having to compensate a lot more, so you'll see them roll over or lose their spine positions or roll their hands over and those types of things. So those are things that we're, um, we're looking for when we look at, if you just send me a video clip of somebody is one of the first places we go mm-hmm. to look where they are, where they're staying connected, those types of things. Yeah. And so these terms I'm going out there kind of foreign, we foreign to a lot of the coaches, but they are now two years from now, they won't be, but uh, right now we're throwing those terms out there. That's a little bit different, but you know, some of the things we're going to talk about a little bit more in the, uh, in the, uh, in the event. I got you. Now you mentioned that a lot of a lot of amateur players are late. Is that just you know what causes that, and is it just because they're not starting early enough? I mean, that's just my amateur explanation of it, I guess. No, it just it just more more to do than that. It's you know some it's it's stability in the joints. You know, when you're dealing with a younger kid, like a twelve or thirteen year old, they don't have a lot of muscle, mm-hmm. but they do have a lot of flexibility. So. You know, when you're trying to move these masses in one direction, you move them back and load and move them forward. Sometimes those those joints have a tendency to continue to turn in the direction you don't want them to turn in. Mm-hmm. The players that are really good are really good at being able to organize those and have the strength to be able to change directions really quick, uh, take a chest and go from back to forward real quick. You'll find a lot of times that in young players that they don't they don't have the coordination to do that. So when you're timing them, you'll see that most Young players have rotational velocity speeds that are higher than older players, way higher. And the reason that is they have to go fast because because they have to change their their bodies are going and moving in directions that they don't want them to move. So when we look at that, that's one of the things. You know, one of the things that one of the big fallacies that we had a long time ago was to teach the stride and separation drill. Mm-hmm. Well, it could work with some people who have coordination and stability in the joints. The kids that are what we're finding out is kids who don't have those abilities in those joints. They they have a hard time being able to to to, to change directions. Almost you think about Plastic Man, the cartoon Plastic Man, and you know how uh, the, the guy can stretch himself all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily good when you're trying to get the rubber band to actually snap. If that continues to stretch, that 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 hitter is going to be not on time. So just not taking the things that we've learned in the past, but really get a deeper understanding of what those things actually do. It's not that they're wrong. It's just technology is teaching us more accurately what they actually mean. Oh, that makes sense. And I love that explanation. So thank you going for going into some detail about that. But, you know, I, I want to know personally, do you think that there are any absolutes in the swing? Now, you know, you, you once you get to certain levels of athleticism, some guys, even though you may test some things and may not like them because of their ability to uh, compensate, uh, the better the athlete, the easier it is for them to compensate mm-hmm. uh, to do some things. So you'll see some things like that. But let me say this. You know, I, I say timing, but then you'll see some guys in a big league that hit fairly well without timing. But you can still 
put your finger on where their, their swing issues may be, but they're just so dang good with hand-eye coordination and strength uh, and being able to get their bodies to do things faster and more powerful than the normal human being, they can get away with those. But one of the things we're finding now is if we're not as talented as those guys, and you can see it at the big league level, they're all built equally, that those guys can't get away with certain things. So timing, I would say, is great. If I had to teach any player, if I had to go to, to any player, the one thing you look at is timing and coordination. I would say that would be an absolute. I love it. Talk to us about something that you are starting to try lately or something that you've learned lately that you're really excited about. Well, you know, I, I've been a, not been a big fan of, of the pitching machines, and that's where the, the, the industry is actually going. And I heard Jason O'Chart of Driveline talking about what they did with their hitters. And we tried a little bit last year with the machine. But you know what? You, you, you tend to get away from using pitching machines because kids struggle. So we're starting to find out the struggle is not necessarily the machine. It's a struggle on the timing issue with mm-hmm. the player. So we're really excited about about that. And we're measuring it using, you know, we've been big hit, hit tracks proponents now, but we're working out of the Rapsodo labs. We're using their hitting track, uh, uh, unit right now. And that's, that's really, really, really helpful for us at this point uh, as we help them develop their product a little bit better. We're getting some really good understanding of, 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 of uh, being able to take our players and put them almost in the game mode and practicing the game speed. So our BP is, and our sessions are, are really like the games. Mm-hmm. Guys aren't going 10 for 10 like they would in BP. They're having, they're struggling. So since I don't get to see all of my players play, at least I can get my eyes on them uh, and see them over a long period of time facing velocities and spins and sliders based on what they would see in a game. So really excited about that. Oh, that's great. Now, do you guys have like the two machines set up next to each other and they're just, they're trying to guess fastball, curveball or read it, I guess, or do you just, are you having them do one at a time and, and just Yeah, we're not it? really, we're not really, yeah, we're not really experts in it right now. We're just, <laughs> okay. We're just, hey, let's hit this one pitch. Once we get really good at it, then we'll start sure. doing some of the crazy stuff. Okay, perfect. I love that. Now, talk to us about something that you guys do that, that your players just love that they can't get enough of. I don't know that there is one thing that they do. They like the technology stuff. They mm-hmm. do. They like, they really, well, they like us to bring in new things and try new things out on them. I don't think there's one particular thing that they jump out at. They would have to put a poll on them to see what they do. Each one of those guys like different things. Sure, sure. Now, do you guys have any favorite competitions that you like to do? Competitions, uh, we, actually, we do it holistically over the course of the whole winter. So we actually created really a nice grading scale, rainy scale for all the players. And uh, that's how we try to predict who our Division One level athletes and professional level athletes are. And it kind of holds them accountable for having to do all the stuff that they need to do to make themselves better. Not just in the cage, but, you know, increasing strength and flexibility and speed and all those things that we think will contribute to making them a better player. We actually create, you know, leaderboards for that. Specifically, what are some of the things that you guys measure? Vertical jump, broad jump, grip strength. Five, ten, five, you know, just the same combine stuff. Okay, cool. But cool. Nothing, nothing really, nothing really, you know, uh, that's that's earth shattering. It's something else. Something else that we just kind of organize a little bit where, you know, uh, it makes all of us accountable, both to the coaches and the and the players. Oh, definitely. Well, Rick, I appreciate you hopping on the mic and in such a short period of time, giving us so much good information. But you know, I just want to open it up for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? You know, I don't. You know, usually I'm more of a, you know, I'm in the cage or run my mouth and go from there, or, or I take questions. So if people want to reach out to me and ask questions, definitely can find us on Twitter or, or, or Instagram or Facebook, any place like that. Go from there. 
Cool. And I will link that stuff down in the show notes. And again, thank you, Rick, for hopping on the mic and uh, sharing so much with us. Thanks, Alan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.